An athletic killer hides a razor blade in a soccer ball before a one-on-one -on -one shootout showdown. Their goalie makes a fatal save, defending the shot with their forehead. As they drift eternally off sides, they twist the net into a loop. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q episodes 33 and 34, Mystery of the Home Economics Classroom. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and insert joke here. Noah. <laughs> what? <laughs> we haven't been doing this long enough for you to get that meta. <laughs> well, uh, that's what I wrote on the page, so that's what I read out loud today. <laughs> and I haven't done it yet, and now I can't do it again. Never again. So uh, before I introduce Michael, I just want to tell folks who are new listeners to the podcast a little bit about what we do. We bring in a mystery guest. We all watch the same episode of anime. You are welcome to listen without watching, but we're going to spoil the ending. So if that's important to you, then you want to watch first. Um, so, okay, who, who is this guy? He's our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, and he continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. And recently, you, Michael, you've started playing a new game in Japanese on Nintendo Switch. Uh, new is like new for currently, but it's it's just the remaster of Shin Megami Tensei Three Nocturne, which uh, was a PS2 game. So lots of people have played that already. Well, it's also kind of appropriate because doesn't that take place in part in a school? No. Oh, I'm thinking of, <laughs> I th I thinking of most other Shin Megami Tensei games, but not this one. <laughs> I could have sworn that when I saw you, they were running around a school building. I guess it's just an empty that was a hospital building. actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they were classmates there to see their teacher. And that's exactly something that happens in today's episode, is it a is. student goes to the hospital to see yeah. his teacher. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was close. You <laughs> <us> saved it. <laughs> it's a good connection. So, Michael, what have you got for us today? Well, uh, so there was something in this episode that I thought I'd just mention real quick. Uh, so... In this episode, we have a teacher who appears to be microwaving cookies, which uh, at first glance looks real weird. But it, uh, so in reality, uh, a lot of like Japanese homes like typically don't have room for an oven. Like they're very small apartments. You know, they sort of uh -huh. prioritize their space. Uh, so Japanese microwave ovens are very often literally their microwave oven. It's got like a microwave mode and it's also like either a toaster oven mode or a convection oven mode. So she was like baking them for realsies. She wasn't just nuking some cookies, which is weird. I definitely wrote down microwave, but I figured you <laughs> might tell us about it. And you didn't disappoint me. <laughs> um, I'm excited to bring on our mystery guest. Um, I think probably the third educator we've had, which is appropriate because this whole series takes place in and around schools. Mm -hmm. uh, but this episode, they go from one school to another school. I, t I mentioned she's an educator first, but she's also a comedian and a hilarious person. So our guest this episode, she's an improviser and educator who organizes informal improv jams. She's a frequent soccer player, and one time she solved the mystery of the dirty diapers. I cracked the case. It's Meredith McDonald. Hey! <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thanks thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming. So uh, you, you watched these two episodes of Detective Academy Q today, and we'll be talking about those. I'm curious about you and anime. Yeah. <laughs> My experience with anime is just as an art teacher. Like I, I know like a lot of kids are super into anime, so they, they'll like draw a lot of like characters and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that's about it. It's like when I was taking piano lessons, I would be like, I wanna play this music from Zelda. And my <laughs> piano teacher's like, Well, I can help you because I understand music, but I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids will draw like giant eyes, and I'm always like, "Oh, I guess you must really like anime." It's <laughs> like, a pretty clear, clear connection. It's it's interesting. It's something that I guess motivates kids to get into art, maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are there any times like that they've told you about what they were drawing, or like uh, where you've noticed the same character enough times that you're like, "I've got to figure out what all these kids are obsessed with." I never I've, I've never i have like i have like a um and how to draw anime book but i've never no they've never told me the story but i have a girl this year who's like making like 
like almost like comic book type segments, like in it, like, you know, like it's like divided into different shapes and stuff. And the, her first project was about like a cup of coffee or like a coffee cup she was getting as a gift. So that was her anime story. Sounds like my kind of anime story. Yeah. Anime about coffee. Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you watch these ones and, and now get to tell us about it. Um, on the other side of not a literal coin is the mystery element Mystery novels exist, TV shows, <laughs> podcasts, dinner parties, video games, books on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like mysteries or ever find yourself uh, being mysterious? Yeah, I I, I am. Obs- I was obsessed with uh, forensic files. I think I've watched like every single <laughs> every single episode. But then I started to get paranoid because it's it's mostly about murder. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, every time I go hiking, I'm like scared. Like, oh, is he a murderer? Was that a uh, was that a true crime show? Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's almost always murderers. Like, and then they they like use forensics to figure out who did it. Yeah, that's that's what I, we've been hearing about true crime is like the people that aren't into it. It's like it's just t- too real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I got to a point where I'm like, oh, this maybe I should take a break. <laughs> when when you're like binging on forensic files, what what is it about watching it that you really enjoy? Just like the the how small a detail it could be that they can like uncut like it could be like a piece of carpet fiber and they can track it to someone like, you know, a, a thousand miles away. It's just I don't know, I think that's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Being an art teacher and involved with art, do you know anything about, I don't know why you would, um, like forensic artists, like the sketch artists who do the the suspect faces? Yeah, the um, I think it's really cool. Like only for, I mean, I know because of forensic files. I don't know anybody who who actually does that, but they build up the face with these like little like pegs to like you know, figure out how much muscle was there. And then they like, so these are things that like vary, but they know that based on like um, ethnicity or like age, like I I just can't, I think that's incredible, you know? So it's so crazy. And I think a lot of times when I see the drawings, I'm like, that does not look like anybody specific, right? A lot of times I'm like, how did they, how did they make the connection? Because it doesn't look very similar. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it does look very similar. Yeah. So given that you haven't watched much anime, I'm guessing before today, no detective anime. Yeah, no, I have never seen this type of anime before. Yeah, no, the subset of an empty set is an empty set. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the format to ask the question. (laughs) And it's great because you you mentioned that you enjoyed it. So I'm excited to hear like what what worked for you in this show. And uh, there's always something that's a little bit confusing. (laughs) Subtitles have been getting worse. And it's a very weird show to be like your entryway into anime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's as atypical as it is typical. (laughs) those are they're like hand drawn right they're hand drawn Mm -hmm. like a flip book right is it current like are those from like um like early 2000s we're probably in 2004 okay so yeah computer driven anime is definitely more common now right michael in varying degrees yeah i really don't like a fully cg anime they don't quite have it down this is actually a great opportunity for us as we start talking about the show Detective Academy Q, uh, nearing the end of our coverage of it. But Michael, for for first time listeners, for forgetful, long time listeners, what is <laughs> Detective Academy Q? Uh, well, Detective Academy Q are the adventures of this group of students who attend DDS, the uh, Don Detective School, where they are learning to be detectives, and they're all weird. Yeah, this is a nice pair of episodes in that they're just going to go out and solve a mystery, which is kind of the premise of the show and what excited me about it. Um, and, and that's what we've got today. But the first thing you notice when you turn the episode on is the opening song. And, um, Meredith, we got to get your opinion on it because this is the last time we're hearing this song. Um, starting with episode 35, which we'll cover next week, it switches to a new opening song and a new ending song. Was there anything you noticed in the song? Did you like it? I did like it. It was super cheerful. 
There were some weird lines, like some of the lines were like really, I, I wish I had written down like some of this, but I, but I know like in the middle, it's like A, B, C, D, like they go through like part of the alphabet. I'm like, it's so cheerful too. It's like, oh, sunshine, happy flowers. They got to keep their highs high for when their lows go low and people right, get murdered. Right. Yeah, there have been some really like downer soap operatic people like breaking down on the floor endings to some of these episodes. Um, and then like the ending song will come on and it'll be like, do, 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 do. It can be a little bit of a, a fun tonal whiplash sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was great. Well, as as we put this ending to bed, I think Michael is in the minority because he wasn't a big fan of it. But most of our <laughs> guests and myself have enjoyed it. So <laughs> don't worry, the Peepo Angels aren't going anywhere. <laughs> so... Let's start talking through this. There's two episodes uh, that make up this two-part murder, murder, not quite murder mystery, because no one successfully gets murdered. <coughs> Starting with episode 33, Mystery of the Home Economics Classroom. And this starts with a sepia-toned, like, kind of historical flashback that really <laughs> threw me for a loop. <laughs> yeah. It's like a weird bunch of conquistador-looking fellas in a boat, and they yeah. get, they get blow-darted. 16th century Amazon River, we're told, yeah, they're blow dart attacked. Well, one of the costumes is like like a Shakespearean, right? They look kind of like, <laughs> sh- and then one of them has armor, and then one of them looks like a caveman. I was like, <laughs> it's a joke. It's like um, a sh- Shakespeare, a soldier, and a caveman are on a boat right. on the Amazon River. <laughs> right, right, right. How many autonomous blow dart guns in trees does it take to take them out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see something that seems very suspicious, which is like blowed guns uh, floating in the air and taking out the last guy. And then we get narration from the character Cosma, who explains this is the uh, uh, the legend of the cursed blow gun that we have been watching the flashback on. <laughs> yeah. So Cosma really takes center stage here. So let's let's uh, check in on who he is. A little bit, uh, Meredith. What did you make of of Cosma, the the short one with the glasses, the kid at the school, throughout these episodes? Yeah, he he was um, he was great. He was like super high energy. He was like so <laughs> weird around the teacher too. Like he he loved his teacher. <laughs> he was kind of intense. He's a little intense at times. Well, we see this moment where he's in math class and he's like. I'm smarter than this teacher. And then when we get eventually it's like, he's in love with this other teacher because she's like the smart one in his eyes. Oh, I missed that. I did too. That's what, that's why he's a big fan of her. And to be fair, to be fair, the other teachers that we are, are introduced to at this school aren't great. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So Cosma is giving us this narration about the cursed blowguns. One of his things seems to be he's read a lot of murder mysteries. He's the character who brings that to the team of five characters. So he mentions more than one Carter Dixon novel. And I'm not really familiar with Carter Dixon, apart from hearing Tim referred to as being like from the golden age of murder mysteries. But I guess Curare was used in one of his books, The Red Widow Mur- Murders, and it's made from the stem of South American plants. And for some reason, that we will be questioning for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> the assistant principal at Cosmos Elementary School went on a trip to South America, brought back an authentic cursed blowgun and a, a b- bunch of real-life curare poison and is keeping it inside of the elementary school. I just wrote in all caps in my notes, why did you bring the curare to school? Yeah. <laughs> and and not even lock it up well. Like it's just sitting in the drawer. <laughs> you didn't even watch it yourself. You gave it to the science teacher right. to hold on to. Right. Yeah. You couldn't even be bothered to keep your own poison safe that you brought to an elementary school. Right. I know like they talk about the, sci- like, the science teacher is in charge of it. And that makes sense to me because like in a science lab, you might have chemicals uh, that could be dangerous and stuff that you would keep locked up. Do you have any like art supplies that you have to keep? So I, yes, I have like, we have like cutting tools and I'll tell you something. My my first year at high school, uh, there were many, many accidents. And I remember the nurse got really angry with me. But in my mind, I was like, yeah, but... Uh, so we had these linoleum blocks. It was like a um, printmaking process. And it, if you don't warm the linoleum first, it's really, it, it slips. So there were a lot of like accidents 
And I, I probably should have kept those locked up. And I had someone <laughs> sub for me and she was like, I was very uncomfortable with those cutting tools. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, we don't use them anymore. It's not crazy to have like slightly dangerous stuff in a school, but you it should be something that is educational right. and not just your personal hobby. It's like if right. you're going to be some kind of weirdo, like I get it. You live in a country where guns are illegal and some people for some reason like collecting dangerous things. So I get, okay, you collected some dangerous stuff. But why did you bring it to school? Keep it yeah. in your dumb home. Right. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing I liked about this is like the assistant principal c- keeps it in a storeroom with all of his other artifacts. We're told he's doing like anthropological research. Right. Yeah. And I, I can kind of get like people theme their classrooms in odd ways or maybe, you know, like, I don't know. In the 1990s, maybe there was a teacher who had a collection of Beanie Babies <laughs> in, in school or something like that. Right. Um, but can we think of like anything odd that we've seen in a school like that where it's like why why are you keeping that here? I don't think so. We, we at my school, we got all these puzzles from uh from South Philly High School and they're like um like cats with like uh stars in their eyes or there's like one with <laughs> Santa and there's like you know like stars in the background. It's just really really everything is like so the theme is really strange. All the puzzles are, are but they're <laughs> they're hanging like photo, you know, like paintings or something all along the hallway. That's a weird thing. Yeah, I I can't really think of anything. It's like when teachers had collections of things, it was books, right, right, right. or like posters to change out on the wall. Right. It's like the the assistant principal is almost like behaving like a professor at a college, and that he's got like a research right. project, right. and he keeps yeah. artifacts in it, but he's. In an elementary school. It's like, it's not <laughs> That's the same. it too, you Don't right? do that. <laughs> it's not like he's in like a, a high school, because they, they, these all go to like a, a middle school age detective academy. Right. Um, and it's not like he's at the elementary school age archaeological <laughs> academy. <laughs> yeah, I guess Maybe to be fair, they have anime. more dangerous stuff at DDS than they do at this school, but only by comparison. <laughs> they They must. So so we're introduced to this mystery. We're introduced to some of the setup. And some of the stuff we've been chatting about, we find out later. But then there's this very brief scene of, like, that night, someone dresses up in the same costume we saw in the flashback. Right. And dances in the empty classroom with the blowgun. And that's it. That scene <laughs> comes and goes. <laughs> and honestly, if you blink, you'll miss the explanation as to why we even saw that, like, much later on. But it does happen. <laughs> the um the mystery in the school is something I've seen it uh, come up a bunch of times in anime. Um, we already had an example just a couple episodes in Detective Academy Q. They were stuck in their school after dark and they found a secret passage. But I know there was an episode of Kindaichi Case Files by the same person who made this show where there's like a rumor of a, a curse and a ghost who appears after dark in the school and they come to investigate it. And in Detective Conan at well, as well, that happens at least once or twice where there's like something happening in their school that they, they, they stay after and they kind of stake out the teachers and they're, they're looking around to figure it out. There's a ton of like examples of anime and video games where there's like some occult rumor about their school and they investigate it and they stay overnight yeah. in the school. It, it's like a trope. It happens at least once everything. I'm trying to think if there were any good mysteries that happened at my school. <laughs> honestly like like uh someone did a senior prank well there, there was a ramp and they used to grease that up sometimes like a ramp between two buildings that were built at a different time and uh someone came in early and put glue in all the locks outside the school wow and was totally caught on all of the cameras oh, and wow. it was very <laughs> obvious who it was so i'm like there's not a lot of mysteries because we would know right yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's cameras everywhere yep <laughs> I mean, there is, there are some times when um, kids would uh, smoke weed in the bathrooms, and you could smell it, and uh, it seems like nobody ever knew who who did it. <laughs> so I mean, they never. I mean, you could smell it, but I you couldn't tell who did it. Just... Smells are a very common mystery because they can come from any direction. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Cosma is going to bring his friends to the school and they're all going to try to investigate this mystery. So he goes he goes to the elementary school first and then the rest of them show up. And I liked that moment because the main character Q has tried to disguise himself as an elementary yes. schooler. <laughs> 
Is that the key? Is that the one with the green hair? It's like dark green, black. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the white streak. Yeah, yeah. But in that scene, he's wearing like the yellow hat. Yeah, that I guess it's like I always see kindergartners wearing that. So I, I guess it's like a very young kid's school hat. I liked that that the ruler sticking out of his backpack was the sure <laughs> sign that he was uncool. <laughs> I was like, God forbid you have a ruler hanging out of your, <laughs> your backpack. Well, yeah, I feel like it was like the bigger your backpack was, the more of a nerd you were. Oh, right, <laughs> right. He's, he is very optimistic, that, that one. His name is Q. Yeah. I, feel, yeah. I feel like he's super, uh, he's super optimistic. Am I right? That is his primary character trait. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's kind of the lead character on the show, although these two episodes focus more on Cosma. But we see he, he brings the other three friends. So let's, So there's the girl with the pink hair, mm-hmm. who's Megu. And there's a moment where they don't even explain it, but she uses her photographic memory later on to figure something out. <laughs> and then the the Ryu with the blue hair. Mm-hmm. He's the heartthrob, I guess, right? <laughs> I feel like everybody loves him, yes? <laughs> yeah, they had all the, all the little elementary school girls fawning over him, and he was just very awkward. Like, I don't know how to react yeah. to this situation. <laughs> and he seems so dark and brooding. Like, so he's like... <laughs> That's his primary characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like four for four on picking up on these characters. <laughs> Um, and the last one is the tall one, Kinta. He doesn't do much in this episode, I don't think. That's his primary characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, so all of them come, and then we're going to meet all of the suspects through, as the teachers kind of up, come up and interact with each other. There's four teachers that are main suspects. I didn't write down the name. There's a couple of the elementary schoolers that we meet, but they're kind of just, I don't know, almost like window dressing. They're just there. They're not suspects. So the first teacher is Tachikawa-sensei. She is the teacher that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. Is she the one that got... Uh... Yes. She's our upcoming victim. <laughs> yeah, she, she gets attacked <laughs> okay. by, a, by a curse. Yeah. And yeah, she's wearing a yellow jacket. And the, the next teacher that comes in, Ebe-sensei, comes in and tells her that her skirt is too short. Yeah. But her skirt is like very close to her knees. Yeah, that it was, she was so aggressive. She <laughs> she was so angry about it. It was yeah, her her skirt was pretty long, I think. But not as long as Ebe right? who had who had like a floor length skirt, mm-hmm. right. as is pointed out by the next suspect. <laughs> the third the third teacher, Iwadome Sensei. He's the science teacher. He was looking after the poison. He's got short brown hair and is kind of flir- too flirtatious with the ladies. Yeah. yeah. So it was Ebe Sensei, right? The, the yeah. one with the long skirt. What I wrote here was uh, that, like, I get that she's projecting sexual repression onto other people, but, like, the clap back for that shouldn't be sexual harassment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They're, they're building up over time this very weird love quadrangle, I guess, triangle quadrangle that ultimately is, ma- is maybe irrelevant. Uh, and uh, <laughs> right. there's so much time spent on it. Yeah, it's it's worth noting that uh, sexual harassment sensei is also the uh, <laughs> the one who was the science teacher who was supposed to keep an eye on the poison right. and kind of lost track of it. Ebe is the music teacher, and Tachikawa is the home ec teacher, so cooking and and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how cookies get into it. <laughs> so they very quickly this time sometimes they don't announce that they're from the detective school but this time they like pulled out their notebooks which identify them and they're like we're from dds and we're going to investigate and they go right away to look at the place that the poison was supposed to be kept and they find the place where the box was taken from and this is where we formally meet the principal i think his name is kyoto assistant principal yeah the assistant principal um he's got glasses he's an older man He's cranky. Which makes sense. He doesn't have a lot of characteristics besides being mad at everyone and yelling. Yes! Which is like an assistant principal, right? Like, right. that's what mine was like at my high school. Absolutely. He's also, he like mispronounces DD as Day Day. <laughs> yeah, so uh, D is like maybe a little bit challenging for just a, a native Japanese speaker that doesn't know any English because there's no Japanese like character that makes a D sound. So they sort of like weirdly combined the zu with an, a little e and it's 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 a weird sound for them i guess so oh so that's common. they do have a de yeah in japanese they do but not so that's e. kind of what he's saying so he was saying de de s yeah oh, okay which is why the the i guess i think it was megu who was like isn't this guy like gone overseas a bunch like he's yeah. not picked up any english yeah <laughs> they're they're definitely making fun of him so now let's 
see what 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 is the incident that we're going to be investigating we just see it like play out in real time because kazuma goes back to get his backpack and everyone's like oh yeah you left it in the homeroom you just want to go see your teacher it's like and so he goes and he opens the door and there's this very dramatic anime kind of like <laughs> whoosh <laughs> <laughs> and like the black part of his eyes disappears and he's just like huh what was that um and then like someone comes up behind him and is like ah something's happened and he turns around we're gonna have to explain the layout of these rooms which was uh very much aided when we watched it by diagrams <laughs> yes <laughs> i think i definitely needed that visual though because uh I was like, what? Oh, how could they escape? Like, <laughs> it was it was such when they did break it down, it was such a, a, an elaborate whiteboard of like, they didn't hand it didn't look like they hand drew it. And if they did, they spent a lot of time on it. And they also had like magnets of where everybody was. And moved them all around. Yeah. So the, the way to think of it is you're walking down the hallway. There's a door at the very end of the hallway. That's the main home ec classroom. And then if you go into the home ec classroom, there's a little door in the corner that opens to the kitchen. The kitchen has a, one other door, which opens to like the home ec prep room, which has a little desk and uh, an oven. And the home ec prep room has another door out to the hallway. So there's three rooms that each have two doors. Um, the kitchen only goes to the other two rooms, and the other two rooms both connect out to the hallway. Mm-hmm. So he opened the door to the home ec room, and someone came out the other door to the hallway and was like, something's going on, something's going on. And he runs in there and sees Tachikawa-sensei collapsed on the ground. And she's got a blow dart in her shoulder. Uh, it's like, keep cure RA in a school, keep poison darts in <laughs> school. What is going to happen? <laughs> right. And then my favorite part of this scene was as the adults start to come, well, the this the other members of DDS come first, I think, and no, the the teachers come first, and Cosma is just like telling them what to do. <laughs> they don't step in. They're not like, oh, you're an elementary schooler. There is a a teacher collapsed on the ground. Step away. Let us handle this. <laughs> yeah, he he knew an awful lot too. He was like, if it was any more, she would have collapsed lungs. Like I was like, how do you know this? <laughs> He's so smart, and he's got his smart computer, too. Yeah, all the all the teachers end up, so they're all kind of backed up into the hallway, too, because there's so many of them that have arrived at this time. Megu's giving her CPR. And the other important thing that we see here is the setup of where the blowgun is. Yeah, it's, like, wedged into the door. The door that leads to the kitchen. Yeah, so, like, the door is closed, and it's, like, wedged into, like, the rubber area between the two of them. The, the door handle, or rather, the edge of the door and the door frame. Yeah. Kazuma, another clue, he goes to the home ec room. There's no one inside. All the windows are like seriously latched closed. And besides, there's a three-way, three-floor drop. So no one could have gotten out those windows. And this is, and they opened the door to the kitchen. There's no one in there. So where could the person have gone? Who did this blowgun? Who did the blowgun? This is our first time um, using video chat to see our guests as we record with them. And it, it has made me... Um, emote more with my face <laughs> hopefully some of that is translating to audio because <laughs> i'm making a lot of facial expressions yeah we no can hear reason. we can hear your eyebrows now that's fine <laughs> one of the lines i really liked that they were like oh they they had to be sure that she would sit on a chair with a back and like they didn't like explain like i'm like well, what if what if there was a chair with us with no back how could you know <laughs> like <laughs> like Sometimes people sit on a chair with no back. It's a very specific setup where like the big question is like, who, you know, how did this get fired off if we couldn't find a person? And also like, how did they know exactly where she would be sitting? Because if she had moved just a little bit, it would have missed her. Right. And there is an answer to that, (laughs) as we'll find out. Meanwhile, um, she's going to be okay. She didn't get enough poison to be like really serious. Um, And they they are going to take her to a hospital and she insists on the ambulance to go to a hospital that's farther away, Takekawa Hospital. Maybe that's relevant. And I also really like the phrase, bang on. That that was a fun phrase. They they told her to bang on. <laughs> like, it's like, I've never heard that. <laughs> Did you, do you remember when she was leaving? No, no maybe, when she was maybe going the, to the hospital. I yeah. feel like, is that a British idiom? Maybe this was subtitled by British people. I don't know. Yeah. It yeah. sounds British to me. That does sound me. British, yeah. <laughs> I'll write that the next time I'm sending a get well card to someone in the hospital. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> So the teachers start to accuse each other, and this is where we start to learn a bit about their drama. 
Uh, they're rightly like on the assistant principal. Like, why did you even have that in the school? The science teacher is blamed because he was supposed to watch it. And then we learned that he used to have a thing with the music teacher. Mm-hmm. But then Tachikawa came and she was so pretty that he seemed to then like move his attention onto her. Meanwhile, the assistant principal would always go into the home ec room every day. And they're not going to call the police. It's like the kids have to force them to call someone to come. <laughs> right. Like on the one hand, it seems like something a murderer would do. Uh, is will be like, don't call the police. But also I think there's like a uh, like an embarrassment culture. Like it's embarrassing to have the police show up at your school right. or something. I don't know. Right. Like, He's like thinking of the school's reputation or of being caught at murdering someone. We don't know. <laughs> and she's she's not dead or anything. She's she's doing fine. Right. 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 Maybe he was afraid he'd get in trouble for for having the poison. Yeah, I could say that in America you can't get you can't not call the police for like a stab wound or a gunshot because the hospital will call the police if you don't. But Yeah. I don't know if, would they call for a blow dart? Would they be like, oh, it was a a weird thing that happened? Like, (laughs) for poison probably, right? Given the setup where, like, it couldn't have been self-inflicted, I would think so, yeah. So there's a bunch of, there's a couple things throughout where they go investigate. It's most of the rest of the episode. There's one scene in the middle. Let's let's cover that first. So later on in the episode, the um, Odajime arrives, who's the police detective. And I believe he's the same police character from the seance murder case. Is that right? Yes. The seance murder guy. So he's all like, oh, these kids are helpful because they solved that one case. <laughs> and he's still, he, I don't, did you notice his polka dot tie, Meredith? No, I didn't. It was what he, it was, a, it was something we noticed the first time he came on the show. He always wears a polka dot tie, apparently. Like his signature. <laughs> it was a fun little moment because like, in his episode, he was the cranky guy yelling at the kids who were trying to be helpful. So he meets the assistant principal who's the cranky guy yelling at the kids who are trying to be helpful. And he's like, no, these are good kids. You can <laughs> you can let them be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> this show goes back and forth on like having people react to the kids like, no, you shouldn't be here because it's a murder. And them having to, you know, use subterfuge versus like people just being like, yes, touch everything at this time. <laughs> You're welcome. Right. Yeah, they they have a lot of um they have a lot of power, I think. They also get it right. So, let's talk through other clues that we discover in this episode. Well, I think just in general like the the setup in terms of the quote-unquote airtightness of the rooms is very important. Right. So, there's this big thing about how there's like rubber on the edges of the doors and so when the doors are closed, they're very airtight. And the explanation, they also have like these huge like AC ventilation units mm. in every room. And the weird explanation is, uh, well, we don't want other classes to smell when food is cooking because that's distracting. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> in my high school, the uh, drama classroom slash theater was right next to the home ec. Ki- well, it wasn't. the ho- It was the culinary arts kitchen. I think there was also a home ec kitchen elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. And so they would often be like, Oh, no, we made too much food. (laughs) I would never have turned down a good smell wafting in from next door in the middle of a school day. (laughs) But yeah, all that all that is very important. And as like Ryu almost remarks, like it's a little too perfectly like airtight. Like it's hmm. Well, how could anyone have gotten out? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, and also while they're investigating the ventilation units, they also find a wiretap. Which Ryu is like, that's not what I was looking for. Never mind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's not interested in the (laughs) wiretap. They look, um, they look also, and they notice that this room is directly above the science lab and directly oh, below right. the music room. I thought that might be important because mm-hmm. so maybe someone was doing something from upstairs or from downstairs. It's to have an additional piece to be like, ooh, was it the music teacher? Yeah. And then Megu like goes to look in the doorway where the blow dart was, and she kind of leans down there. And when she gets back up, there's flour mm-hmm. on her knees. Speaking of forensics, like... <laughs> Kazuma spots like the little flower on her knees and like collects it in a bag. They're getting a little better at like using touching things with gloves <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then we we have a fun investigation montage where I didn't catch a lot of the details. They were mostly just like running around and looking at things. Kazuma's computer declares this is an impossible crime. <laughs> S- someone is burning the costume and the mask okay. and then they all find it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yet another uh, incinerator burning of evidence. Yeah. (laughs) In my notes, I was like, Miss (laughs) Kaori? 
And uh, that's where they leave us with this big mystery to, to puzzle over for the next episode. Mm-hmm. There is a post-credit scene. I don't think I saw that. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> uh, it looked like there was some wordplay involved. And it also was like slightly, you know, a, it, it was a variation on a no homo joke, you know, like about guys being interested in kinta well it was like a process of elimination joke kinta was like all of the kids and all of the women are fawning over you so uh q is like oh so the men must fawn over you then right (laughs) he was like yeah no that's not right (laughs) yeah no it wasn't great yeah there's there are some like weird uh cross the line type of behaviors aren't there (laughs) i feel like (laughs) Yeah, we've mostly kind of blown past it, but that first scene where all the teachers were being introduced and like uh, the way that the students are interacting with the teachers and the way the teachers are interacting with each other, yeah, it's definitely over like a a way you would want people to interact with each other in terms of sexual I mean, harassment they, and stuff. They do outright be like when the science teacher was talking, Mega was like, "Wasn't that sexual harassment?" She, she, she right, be right, that? yeah, <laughs> right. Which is always fun to joke about, isn't it? <laughs> mm, so fun. <laughs> oh, I guess our last episode was the groping episode, wasn't it? I think yeah. I saw that. I, I watched that one because that one. I sent you the wrong one. It's link. okay. But I was like, oh, you oh watched my. Trios of Beauty? <laughs> did you watch the whole episode? I did. Yeah, I did watch it. Oh, the, man. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last week with Ralph and Dractio. Okay, yeah. yeah. And we're like, oh, we, ha- we, we have no women to, t- to break this down. <laughs> um, that's definitely. That's definitely like the worst episode of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, holy smokes. That was the first one I watched. That was. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, your man. entire introduction to anime was Trios of Beauty? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. It's a little accurate, actually. What, what, did, what did you make of that episode? We talked about it last week. So, we talked about it in episode 20. What Was it like, I don't know. Was Did it justify itself in the end by letting the female characters like triumph over the the man or was it mostly just uncomfortable uh i don't it was both i guess i i feel like (laughs) i i was like you you know part of me was like what is happening on the train because her reaction i was like is is he just touching her butt or is there more i mean yeah so in the end what they did like they arrested him, right? The the guy, mm-hmm. they did catch him. They poked through the holes in his story and, and showed it was him. Oh, right. That's and, right, because yeah, they trained. And like, then they chased him down and... Oh, she, uh, she beat him, him up. With... Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then she felt bad about it. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> I didn't want her to like own that. I, I have to, but, you know, at least she kicked his ass. So I'm glad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... That's my bad. I sent you the wrong link. That's okay. And, That's okay. and when I realized I did, I was like, oh, no, she had to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It was interesting. It, it was very interesting. It, it was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. So then we get to episode 34, The Curse That Disappeared. And truly, we've like already discussed like a big chunk of its plot. <laughs> you know, when... All the different things they're investigating and the clues they find kind of blend together. It, it's more of a slow burn of they find this thing and then that thing. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing we get now is, oh, well, one thing I like right at the beginning, they pick up with finding the burned items. And the detective is like, wow, you you're, you always get these weird cases, don't you, children? <laughs> and uh, it's like, yep, they totally do. Um, and then they sit, they get to sit in on the interrogation slash interviews um, with the three main suspects. So the principal is up first. I think we've mostly said this stuff. He does anthropological research. He doesn't believe in curses. They're asking everyone if they believe in curses. <laughs> and he always usually goes to the home ec room around the time the murder happened just to like go walk around and, and look at it. Oh, that's why we got the cop from the seance uh mystery because it's another like fake occult mystery i got it that's right yeah there was there was one that was uh that for a while everyone was like oh a ghost did it (laughs) (laughs) that's obvious the science teacher has a license to possess poisons and strange materials because he has chemicals and stuff in his science lab uh for you know elementary school very dangerous elementary school science right like the most dangerous thing i did in elementary school science was mix like baking soda with vinegar (laughs) (laughs) 
I could see the teacher having like acids or something to do demonstrations. Mm. But in high school, like we got to handle some of that stuff. In elementary school, you definitely would not hand like a bottle of hydrochloric acid to a to a student. In this one, you might. I don't know. <laughs> in this one, you might. Um, and then, yeah, he is claiming that Ebe Sensei, the music teacher, was the one who came onto him. Mm-hmm. And this is where we learned that they used to date the music teacher and the science teacher, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about some chunky necklaces in the past because Ryu has one that he wears. <laughs> but Megu recognizes the music teacher's specific necklace from a magazine. Meredith, it's because she has the power of photographic memory. So she remembers everything yeah. she's ever read. Any, uh, what, what, kind, what kind of necklace was it? It was like a crystal to bring, bring love, right? To win back lovers. It was like a tacky, like... Like the very crunchy kind of like crystal necklace that like, <laughs> like these new age hokey folky things. But then it also had like a tacky little star painted on the side. <laughs> it's supposed to make like you get your love or something. And then, you know, she, she should have just sent away for the like Dakota ring from the cereal <laughs> box. The x-ray, the x-ray specs. <laughs> well, no, maybe she was just, uh, you know, making an appeal to the gods of jewelry. <laughs> This is Michael trying to sneak in a reference to our next episode and hoping no one will notice. I noticed. I was clearly hoping everyone would notice. (laughs) So they start to discuss what could be going on. And in the next scene, they figure everything out Mm -hmm. uh, by putting together all the stuff they found. I was pretty frustrated at this point by all the talk of the love triangle. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out who's likely to believe in curses, I guess, because the only reason someone would have stolen the outfit was to try to curse someone, maybe. I'm not sure why they're so investigated in that. And they realized that the room was pretty much entirely sealed except for the the, the blowgun in the door. That was the only thing breaking the seal because the windows are closed and everything is so closed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it, that's enough for Ryukyu and Kazuma all to figure out what's going on. At this point, Kazuma gets very sad. Uh, to which I responded, aha, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Cosmo's going to go to the hospital. He's going to c- confront the teacher and accuse her of being setting this up to attack herself. I don't know, Meredith, were you, did this, was this a surprise? Did this come as a surprise? How did this? Yes. I was thoroughly confused when when Kazuma ran away. I was like, because the ending line was like, not even an ant could fit through the the, the seals. And I was like, what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. But then uh, I guess Q was like, it's okay. He he knows what happened, and I was like, well, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. They have that moment where it's like they're kind of letting Cosma decide what to do and letting Cosma handle it. Right. And they're, But nobody is saying anything out loud. Yeah, right. this show plays a lot with like when like two or more characters figure something out at the same time and they don't talk to each other about it because that would spoil it for the audience. So they're just like, you know what happened. We'll talk about it later. And yes, then like, I know what happened. What happens if they both thought something else? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I like when Kazuma got there, she's like, would you like some tea? And she opens her hospital bedside table and it's full of like tea making things, all this stuff. I think she moved I, in. I think they, they truly have like hot water dispensers, like more available in places like public spaces and stuff in Japan. So I could see that being something they provide in a hospital in Japan. Yeah. At least in an in, an inpatient room. I like it. He And he notices that she has lottery tickets. So he's like, oh, you're trying to get money. And they and then she has an insurance policy that triggered because she was almost killed. And that would be her motive for staging an attack on herself. Which I was like, do they have almost life insurance? <laughs> Which I, I guess know. she goes on. <laughs> she goes on to elaborate that it's like uh, accidental like disability insurance, like I guess, like if she's permanently injured on the job right. or something. And I, I wonder, like I tried to, to research it a little bit and I got like a sense of it, but I didn't find anything concrete that maybe like there's not that much of like a lawsuit culture in Japan, but instead like a insur- accidental insurance thing where you're like, you're more responsible for things happening to yourself than other people are or something. I don't know. It, I couldn't find much about it. So it's hearsay at best. But it, it the way they're presenting it, it makes it sound like it's a common thing for in Japan. Right. So so maybe it is. 
and then basically they've concluded that she did it because there there was no place for anyone to escape. The way it happened with everybody kind of coming up and running up at the same time made it pretty clear that whoever would have been hiding in the home ec room had nowhere to go before they went in there. So so it had to be done another way. Right. So basically she had this elaborate plan and she set up her plan so that when the assistant principal was making his rounds, he would open the door and because of the like the sealed rooms and the temperature differential she created, air would gust through. It's the uh, air pressure differential. The ventilators oh. are pulling air out of the sealed rooms and lowering the air pressure I compared see. to the hallway. Okay, the air pressure differential. But yeah, the idea is that the trigger was supposed to be the assistant principal, but DDS was like, we're checking out all your stuff. And, and she's like, I got to do it now. So instead, Kazuma triggered it. In his very dramatic whoosh moment. <laughs> yeah, when the door opens, the air rushes into the room, which puts pressure into the blowgun pipe and shoots the dart out. Which I'm like, would that be enough? Like, would that really be quite enough? Right. <laughs> I, th- I think it might. Um, if you have two rooms that are very different air pressures, and there's only a very small... Uh, gap between them the air could shoot through it with a bit of force yeah as long as you stuff some flour into the door hinge to seal it yeah in (laughs) practice right in practice that room would have to be pretty sealed or else the air might escape in other places this also solves the one remaining mystery of how would they know exactly where she was sitting the answer is by being her and deciding where she sits right (laughs) she just had to make sure she was sitting there and she had the two students come up to be both witnesses and to give her an excuse to make cookies which is when she turned on the ventilators but who needs an excuse to to make cookies right (laughs) right (laughs) but then the kind of infuriating part of all of this is there we there's there were two big red herring clues Mm. um the wiretap mm-hmm which was just science creature t- teacher being an actual stalker. Right. You can call him science creature. It's fine. Yeah. Science creeper. <laughs> being a stalker and putting a wiretap in this poor woman's classroom to, to spy on her. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little disappointed that they didn't open up the wiretap and find like a Pluto symbol inside. And be like, aha. <laughs> Pluto is the, the organization that they're opposed to who, who marks their own wiretaps. <laughs> With their own branding. And then the other thing was the mask that was burned. Right. Yeah, that never got answered, right? Yeah, so the music teacher actually did steal the items and she performed a ritual, but she was just trying, hoping that the ritual would curse the teacher. That's all she did. She, you know, she is the kind of person who buys a love pendant. So they were like, oh, she believes in a curse. Oh, right. And that's why she stole it because she thought the curse would do it. And that's also why she was acting so weird because she thought because she did the cursing ritual that actually caused the blowgun dart to attack the or at the very least she would get teacher. blamed which is why she burned the stuff so they, so those were also those turned out to just be red herrings yeah and she explains herself and is like Cosmo you're so smart that I wasn't expecting to have such a smart student and boy does she have a sob story that comes out of nowhere no oh my god it's you know there was, she was like I I wanted the life insurance so I considered suicide I was like but if you were dead like I like then what <laughs> like, I, I'm right? like I don't understand that was weird but it does it makes some sense when you when you find out the story. whole the whole truth right mm-hmm. which is that she just she like literally had a baby very very recently but nobody noticed because she was she wasn't like visibly pregnant. <laughs> Well, because the child was born prematurely as well. The child was right. born Probably. prematurely right. and needs surgery. And the, the father, father died mm-hmm. while she was pregnant. She's very motivated to save this child. And she needs specifically 30 million yen for the operation. And what bugged me here is like, I don't know how it works there. So I'm not going to say anything about Japan. But I know in America, uh, they would treat the child. There's no question. Right. Like that mother might have a bill for the rest of her life, but it would happen. In this, it's almost like... They're waiting for her to get the money and like they'll do it if she gets it. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. would they is that is that because it's a baby? They would they would do expensive surgeries on a baby even if the parents can't pay? I mean, I know they would like resuscitate the child and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they would but... they would absolutely perform any procedure to prevent a a person in their care from dying. That's part of the Hippocratic Oath, at least in America. They're not allowed to let them die if they can prevent it. But there's aren't there treatments that they won't they like won't admit you to the hospital sometimes if you don't have insurance. That's true. If you're not admitted to the hospital, but if you are in their care in America, I'm not 100% certain about this and you can email us 
and tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. Oh, but please if you are do. In their we haven't care, any doctors on. I think they are required to do whatever is, they, is necessary to save your life, even if it'll like you'll be in debt to them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because of our awful insurance system. <laughs> we thought we uh, needed a teacher on this podcast episode, but maybe we needed a doctor. <laughs> I don't know, because I'm Meredith. I'm assuming you've never been in the hospital with a secret baby. No. <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> yeah. I just sprayed water everywhere. <laughs> And then, well, here's the other thing, which you maybe get a sense of by the end of the episode, is we know that Cosma is independently wealthy because <laughs> he published he published a very popular video game and is like a very is like a billionaire elementary school kid. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So, so that's how. Okay, I because I was like, that's why I thought I was like, boy, these kids are really powerful. I thought like, the, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you could just be like, hey. Buy this. And those was- no, that was a bu- his butler he was talking to, not a wealthy oh. person. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known from the curly mustache. <laughs> yeah, Kazuma makes a mysterious phone call. We don't know what it does. And then when the police come to take Hachikawa away, the police officer finds the winning lottery ticket in her bedside table. I was like, oh, that that surprised me because I thought Cosmo was going to do something to save the surgery. And it turns out he did, but he did it in the sneaky way where she wouldn't know it was him um, because I guess he bought someone's winning lottery ticket off of them by paying them 30 million yen um, and then snuck it into her pile so that she would just think she had won the lottery. Yeah, it's a pretty good trick, actually. (laughs) Uh, And you know what it reminds me of, Michael? Something we've only seen one episode of. Oh, the billionaire, millionaire detective Bounds oh. Unlimited. It's a new anime from last season. We, I think, we'll probably cover at least an episode on the podcast where the premise is: oh, this guy joins the police force who is um, literally infinitely wealthy, and he just solves crimes by throwing money at them. <laughs> <laughs> It's very silly. As an anime, that one reminds me of like if you took oh, what's it called? East of Eden? No, Eden of the East. That's it. Eden of the East, which was an anime about a bunch of people who like they had mm-hmm. access to like infinite money or like a specifically very large amount, and were trying to like fix Japan, and it came from like a a mysterious benefactor. But it made me feel less gross than the rich guy actually doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's pretty much it, um, except for the post credit scene where. Kenta tries to get Cosmo to give him money because Cosmo doesn't seem to want it. <laughs> yeah, well, Cosmo's like, he's this elementary school student just staring out the window and he's like, well, money can't buy you everything. And Kenta's just like, okay, give me some. <laughs> <laughs> to which I say, eat the rich. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. So, so Meredith, uh, overall, first of all, anything like that you thought was funny or amusing that we didn't talk about no i think i think we we talked about everything i just yeah i i I had so many things wrong it was hard for me to keep (laughs) up with some of it yeah i guess it helps (laughs) to have like the background but i thought it was funny like the detective like was like so hell-bent on checking like he had like the winning lottery ticket like the numbers (laughs) in his like little badge or whatever was, yeah. was he in on it? No. Yes. He was. Okay. He was so in he, on it. That's yeah. why he... He, li- he okay. snuck the winning ticket into the pile that Kazuma I gave see. him. And then was like, oh my God, you won. Yeah. <laughs> I could see there's there's a bit of context missing from the... Like they they only... They kind of only hint at what Kazuma has done at the end. Right. By having him talk to the butler. Mm-hmm. And they don't... I think the detective maybe winks at him, but they don't spell out that he like was... That they were coordinating on it. Even if you get the clues from earlier in the episode that he makes video games and that they're very popular, uh, I I know some independent video game developers. They're not wealthy. <laughs> you don't get rich. You don't get rich doing that. For this real, this is true. <laughs> um, yeah. What What were things? Did you have any frustrations watching something set in a school? Were you like mad at them for doing things the wrong way? Ever? I feel like we didn't. It's a high school, elementary school. It's different. I don't know. Did anything like irk you or? I think we covered most of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I thought when the when the you know the math teacher when he gave him like the stink eye, I was like, I feel like I do that. <laughs> like I'm like, like giving everybody dirty looks. 
But yeah, I mean, it, other it, it mostly felt like it. It didn't really feel like a school very much because usually, like, it's like a lot of kids in a class. I, this is how I usually think of it. Yeah, I love all the dramatic like moments, though. I, they really like, and their eyes like quiver. Like, a, <laughs> I love that they start to tear up sometimes. It's, yeah, I don't think we stressed that. Like when she starts telling her story, it, like the music, yeah, swells up and like. Everyone gets really sad. Yeah. <laughs> Even the people yeah. who aren't there listening who are just thinking about what the story might be. <laughs> um, what, so what did you like about it? What did it remind you of? Was there anything you didn't like about it? Um, I, I liked like the, the it, it was just such a sharp turn from like, it just seemed like so light up until that terrible story from, from the teacher. I was like, oh my God. And then when he turned her in anyway, I was like, "Wow, that's awful!" (laughs) Thinking, God, he's heartless. So terrible. Yeah, I think we we glossed over that. But there's a moment where Cosmo's like, "Am I going to turn her in? Am I not going to turn her in?" I really like her. She she didn't hurt anyone. Right. She didn't even get the insurance money. To which I say, I would have been like, "Get the insurance money." F the corporation, you need the money. Like, right, right, yeah. <laughs> their ethics here are based in, like, society more than, like, human experience. I don't know. <laughs> That's Japan. It's, like, society first, people second. Yeah. <laughs> I def- I also like the, the dramatic moments we have sometimes on this show. Yeah. <laughs> this really did have so many parallels with the seance murder, like the insurance money, the... Trying to save your children, uh, the fake spooky stuff. Yeah. Mm. This is a lot like Scooby Doo, too. Reminds me a lot of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Who would you say is the uh, the Scooby Doo of the show? Scooby Doo. Um, I don't even know who's probably. Uh, I don't even know. Like the dopey no, one. doesn't like right? when we talk about this. <laughs> Just looking out for the podcast. <laughs> Did. What was what was kind of your experience watching through it? So the fun, it was fun at the end, like when everything's revealed and like it's super dramatic. Were you in? Were you into like the mystery? Were you like, yes, like yeah. trying to get all the clues? Yeah, I was trying to get it, but I I felt like I I was missing stuff. Like I had to like stop and rewind because I was like, oh wait a minute. Like when Cosmo ran away, I'm like, oh, he knows something and I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I was like, what, what does he know? He figured something out. And I mean, I knew it had something to do with the ventilators because I saw the purple haired guy, Ryu. Is his name Ryu? Ryu. Ryu. Yeah. Ryu. Okay, Ryu kept like pondering on the ventilators. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sure it has something to do with that. But I just don't know what it is. <laughs> You are often on this show and Detective Conan and Kindaichi, like uh, and some of the other mysteries, you, go, you they like are like, here's the clues. And you're like, and then they're like, and here's the solution. And you're like, there it feels like feels like there was a uh, rung missing in that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I love the characters, though. The characters are a lot of fun. I th- I thought the butler looked like a like a snake oil salesman. Like he like <laughs> he looks kind of shady. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> oh, like Cosmo had made some kind of shady deal for the lottery ticket. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think the butler has a name. No, Cosmo said it once, but I don't know what it was mm. when he was talking about having him come pick him up. Yeah, he he's one of the most mobile of them, despite being the youngest, because he has a butler who can drive him around. <laughs> <laughs> very nice well yeah this is nothing like forensic files it's a bit like scooby-doo maybe the flower was the only piece of forensic yeah i was just thinking found. like that yeah that was definitely uh <laughs> yeah they didn't even talk about checking the blowgun for fingerprints presumably she wiped it and used gloves to put it in there mm-hmm. yeah you ended up watching an extra episode already yeah uh would would you ever watch more of this show <laughs> yes yeah like yeah, of your own free will? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. It was pretty good. I think the the one that I accidentally watched, that one was, uh, I wouldn't want to see another one like that one. <laughs> I think yeah, I that one made me kind of uncomfortable a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But in just the next episode, 
uh, for the first time in a while, there's a joke about Q catching a glimpse of Megu's underwear, which they which is a common joke that they do. And it's like, so there might be little things like that, but there's but as compared to the the episode we covered last time, where it's like all kind of focused on those kind of weird themes that are kind of crossing the line, that's that's pretty unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you out there are listening to this podcast and you are in possession of a cursed mask and a blowgun <laughs> dart and need some advice on how to store it so it doesn't get used for an t- attempted murder, you can email dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> uh, with your with your feedback on, on what you thought about the episodes we watched and stuff like that. Or just send us your recipe for cookies. Oh, that is good. <laughs> and Meredith... So it's been great having you join us for this. Do you have any improv jams coming up or other things you want to let people know about? Yes. So on uh, Monday, November 16th at 7 Eastern Standard Time, there'll be an improv jam. Uh, It'll be a virtual jam. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I've had a lot of fun doing this. This was super fun. Um, Thank you for inviting me to do this. Yeah, we're really excited to have you join us. Um, one of the benefits of doing this podcast is getting to see and talk to people I, I used to see more often. Right, right. And Michael gets to see and talk to them too. So our next episode is a very weird one. We're covering just one episode of anime. Um, it, there's a bomb threat that they have to figure out like where where the they catch the guy and they have to figure out where the bomb is and it's um uh strange it's very strange it's a very very strange one and so so join us for that we've got a really exciting mystery guest coming on and that'll be a lot of fun you know less episode to cover so who knows what we'll talk about um and we're really glad just to have you all listening here with us so if you are enjoying this podcast and want to help spread the word like uh, subscribe and like and review us on apple podcasts stitcher wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast that tells other people that you like the podcast so that uh, they might try it out you know because if you are just flipping through a magazine and you see um, an advertisement for a love cupid necklace you don't know if that's a good love cupid necklace or not until you go online and read the reviews and see that other people have had success uh wearing these necklaces <laughs> that's why i write reviews in all magazines and waiting rooms to all the ads <laughs> yes <laughs> i love cornflakes <laughs> So that really helps us out. And then, yeah, keep in touch with us. We are on Facebook, Dying Message Podcast. We're on Twitter at Dying Message Pod. We always post about new episodes there and less often about other random things. But uh, you, you can you can connect with us there and se- or send us that email, dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. And stay tuned because... Uh, because stay tuned just because i'm not going to promise you anything but it'll be worth it oh uh, meredith of course what can you tell us about the mystery of the dirty diapers well i noticed that in my recycle bin there were some dirty diapers and i had been noticing this for a while and i was uh, really grossed out about it because they were loose Dirty diapers, <laughs> not even like in a bag. <laughs> in your recycling bin? You yes, can't recycle in my recy- poop. That is not recyclable. <laughs> and it really pissed me off. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just so happened to like, uh, I was driving home and I was looking for parking and I saw my neighbor uh, putting, c- come outside and put the dirty diaper in the bin. So it wasn't really like, <laughs> it wasn't like a great, uh, a thorough detective job, but it was still I I was a witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you happened to you happened to stumble upon it. You didn't have to uh, analyze right. the forensic evidence. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fingerprint your recycle bin. Right. Figure out what the child had been eating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> did you did you 
talk to them about it? I left them a note because it continued to happen. And I was like, hey, because because the last one, they put they would put their trash out like on the I feel like such a um, sometimes I feel like I, I'm too complainy. Right. But they would leave their trash out like the day after it was collected. And what happened was like it opened and then all the dirty diapers were all over the sidewalk for like a week. And I left them a note and I was like, hey, and also, you know, maybe bag up your trash so they take it, you know, and then maybe also don't put the dirty diapers in my recycle bin because that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> I like, I, cause I keep the recycle bin in my apartment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's so gross. Oh, like you had taken it out so that the recycling could be taken away. Right. But when you're filling it, it's inside your apartment. Right. Right. So that was a crime of opportunity. Yes. They were they were looking out their window waiting yes. for your recycle bin to, to come out on the street. <laughs> just, just keeping a stockpile of dirty diapers. Yes. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 21, in which we store dangerous materials in an elementary school science lab. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Meredith McDonald. Coming up, what is a jewel summoner? Who makes this shit up? No, seriously, who makes this shit up? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. I'd be willing to bet somewhere someone's working on some face reconstruction software because we've got a lot of machine learning stuff. Uh, what was it? This is not a real person.com where it just uses photo data to just build random faces of people that don't exist. So And, th- and there's one for cats too. Yeah, it's on its way. <laughs> My cat made an entrance. Just... Wow. Someone, <laughs> as if summoned. <laughs> I, know, I know. The cat... The cat didn't make any noise, so you'll just have to believe us right. that uh, we saw a cat very briefly. <laughs> We're not crazy. We didn't imagine room. it. Yeah. <laughs> Although imagination is very, very powerful.